putting your hand over your heart just really allows you to drop in to that knowing or to that maybe you want to access your inner child, you know, knowing what do I really need right now or how am I really feeling right now? And you always know you never don't know. You're listening to the Almost 30 Podcast, hosted by Krista Williams and Lindsay Simsek. Almost 30 started as a conversation about the transition from our 20s to our 30s. But then we realized life is full of transitions. So we expanded our mission. We are an intuition-led, wellness-focused lifestyle podcast that promises to deliver authentic conversations, diverse points of view, and insights rooted in optimism, growth, and intention. The Almost 30 Nation community is a group of purposeful dreamers who are smart, passionate, and always seeking the full potential in every aspect of their lives. At Almost 30, we're making magic together. We dream it, and then we do it. Thanks so much for tuning into the Almost 30 Podcast. Here we go. Wow. Wow. Hello. We're being real, (laughs) real interesting today. (laughs) It's taken us a bit, but we're pumped, 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 pumped that you're here. And I'm really excited to talk about this. Truly coming off of uh, about five days away in Cumberland Farms, Tennessee. You said it. Didn't know that's where we were going. Didn't know until you said that. <laughs> Nashville, baby. It was it was a, a really powerful week and we're excited to share our experience. So we were with on-site workshops outside of Nashville and our dear friends, Ruthie, Lindsay, and Milana Snow were able to invite us to this creative retreat. Um, didn't have any expectations. Didn't really make sense for our schedule, if, if you think about it. <laughs> you know, to take a whole week off and, and do some work uh, right before going on tour for the rest of the year. But, you know, say yes. So we said yes. We said yes. And um, it was one of the most profound weeks of my life. Truly. We were with some of the most like impactful people that I've come across um, and have admired for a long time. And what was so so cool about that week was that we didn't talk about what we did. And it was so refreshing because I'm sure a lot of you out there can, can relate. Like when you're in a setting, wherever it is, it's like the second question is normally, Oh, what do you do? And very rarely did that happen at all. And it was just so refreshing. So we were really able to connect like as human beings. I mean, the work that we were doing was so heart opening and like emotional that we were able to connect on that level, which was so powerful. I was crying the whole time. I know. Same. Obviously. (laughs) I really let it rip. We, Yeah. yeah, we, there was one at one point in the affirmation circle. So there was something really beautiful that we did. That was a practice. Yes. My most favorite part of the whole thing. Yo, it was insane. So it's the entire group of, of people that are at this retreat and we are sitting in chairs and then it's almost like musical chairs where the people are going around and they're whispering in your ear, a beautiful affirmation. And insane. Everyone was like laughing at me because I was literally like, Oh, like, 
insane. As if no one has ever said anything nice to me. I know, honestly. And it sucks because so when we first started, I was the first group and we went around. I thought it was just basic affirmations. Like if you mm. Google affirmation, you hear like, I, I am, am loved. <laughs> I am worthy. I am peace. And so I was saying basic affirmations and I was like, I'm going to give everyone the same one. And then I realized because the person behind me, I'm like, oh, they're making them custom. I was like, oh, shit, this is fun. And so then you can make them this beautiful affirmation of like something that we recognized or saw within that person. And it was stunning. It was so, so beautiful. And it's, I think like we got so emotional because it's, it's true. And it's like what we don't say to ourselves at all. (laughs) So to hear someone else say that, it's kind of like when you're at a birthday party and you're like, hey, let's say something great about the person's birthday. It's like that, but because there was music playing and our eyes were closed and the week itself was just so raw. Like it felt, it literally felt like the biggest hug you've ever gotten in your life. It was so nice. I recommend doing that. Like if you're in a women's circle or just in an intimate gathering, it's such a beautiful exercise. You have a circle, you have the people, half the people sit down in the center, everyone else stands around them. And then you just kind of go one by one around the circle. Yeah. Don't creep anyone out. You know what I mean? Fucking perverts. I think one of the- Don't freak everyone out. But it really, and what I really realized that I really loved about it, it was true receiving. I wasn't looking at them. I wasn't engaging with them with, you know, body energy. You know, when someone says something kind to me, I am beside myself energetically and emotionally and physically. So it's also tiring, you know, on the other end too, because maybe I'm not believing and I'm hoping to, or I'm hoping that they receive that I'm thankful, but to just receive in a really beautiful way and not have to give anything back was like, whoa. Yeah. I just want to shout out um, Miles Adcox, who is the CEO of Onsite Workshops. And I just, I've never been in someone's presence who is in a position as he is where not only are they so powerful and grounded, but just so humble. And he was doing the work with us during the week. And I don't know, I just, I can't actually describe it the way it should be described, but I was just blown away by who he is and how much care and thought and um, love he put into this programming with his team. So I just want to read something off of, you know, materials we got just to explain exactly what Onsite is. Onsite has been providing programs for over 40 years, bringing together the best to offer an exceptional experience with unconditional acceptance and love. Here you will be greeted with trust, genuine support, and opportunity to connect with others. It's more than a place and it's it's an experience. And basically, you know, they have the most gifted therapists and professionals in this space in the world coming to help people. They have a living centered program. They have a milestones program for a 30, 60, 90 day treatment. Um, and then this creatives retreat. And it, it's just so beautifully curated. The food was incredible, just kind of on like a programming and and surface. I just want to mention the food was absolutely incredible. Like the accommodations were stunning. I just felt so comfortable and taken care of. And yeah, I'm just so impressed by what they're doing literally in the middle of nowhere in Tennessee. I know. What the heck? Yeah. And just a note, this isn't sponsored. This is not 
They didn't ask us to do anything. So, (laughs) you know, when we're saying this, it's from, from genuine belief. And Lindsay and I just had such profound, impactful experiences and learnings that we did want to, you know, connect with you guys on it. We wanted to just share some of the things we learned and, and some of the things we're taking home from this really, really profound week. So that's really the sole goal and intention of this, but wanted to, you know, set the scene for, for what was going on. Because at first, you know, when Lindsay and I got there and, and we stepped into this room with other creatives, these people are very successful. Uh, you would know most of their names. And I felt really out of place. I'm Same. like, oh, wow, this is true imposter syndrome. You know, I'm like, oh, I actually don't feel worthy of being here. I don't know how to be or act, et cetera. So that was a very humbling experience for me. But um, once we got down to it at the end of the week, it was like, you really saw the true nature and soul of people. So I very much feel you guys whenever I'm experiencing, you know, imposter syndrome, because I definitely was experiencing that for most of the trip until the end, probably. And they opened the week, uh, with a discussion on trauma and how, you know, going into a, a week of work, inevitably I was already thinking like, well, I haven't had like really, really profound trauma in my life. So I, I don't know, like, I'm just going to let other people share. And I, I kind of feel bad because, you know, there was all this self-talk and they were stressing that there's really a misunderstanding of what trauma is for people. And trauma comes in all sizes, shapes, and experiences. And so it was, I think that really set the tone to allow myself to really go there and to actually talk about it and let people in because you can have trauma that is kind of like this, um, I forget what they call it, but basically like it's say you grew up with being raised by a narcissist. Yeah. <laughs> like that is trauma that is like developmental, you know, it's at a very like consistent level. That is trauma, you know, Someone could say something to you when you're 14 that completely changes the way you feel about yourself. Like that is trauma. Like there are, it doesn't have to look like what we think is trauma, but that is also very profound trauma as well. So we were touching on it all. Yeah, I think that permission is is really important because most of us have gone most of our lives with the denial of our feelings, the denial of our right to having emotions. And I think that's really, really a key, a key point for me was understanding that within trauma, I have had my various experiences and those are right and those are valid. And I should feel able to express and feel whatever I'm feeling. And, you know, I think that the permission granted at the beginning to understand that you have had traumatic experiences in your life, although there are varying degrees of, of which it is experienced. You have a right to those feelings. You have a right to those emotions and those will play out in your life in various ways. And this goes along with a lot of the subconscious work that we talk about, a lot of shadow work, a lot of things where you have this subconscious mind. I think they call it the limbic brain, which is the very first part of the lowest on the lowest brain stem uh, that is controlling a lot of what you do and you're not even aware of it. So this goes along the lines of a lot of the learning we've all been doing together as a community related to subconscious mind and related to growth and how we're interacting in the world that we may not even know. Uh, so that permission was was pivotal for me. That was important to me. Uh, if I didn't have that, I don't know if I would have been able to do the work or to express myself openly. It Truly. took me the entire trip until I, on the very last day, was my real 
session and experience within the group. And I don't think I could have done it before that because it takes me a really long time to trust people and to believe that they're interested in or engaged with what I'm saying and doing. And if I didn't have that permission at the beginning and then the reinforcement throughout the entire process that people cared about me, it was safe. I could trust, I could do healing within community. Then I don't think it would have ever happened. Yeah. Yeah. The small group therapy. So we we had a large group of about 30 people uh, at this retreat. And then we broke up into smaller groups of like seven or eight and we had a group leader who uh, was a therapist and they were guiding us through experiential therapy, sculpts, which like family sculpts, which were was something I've never done before and was really beautiful. And it's so cool because I think creative people that have done this type of like just put putting themselves out there, especially when it comes to their work, they're kind of more apt to just like, okay, like you are going to play my inner child and really be there instead of being like, you're not my inner child. Like this makes no sense. Like, but you know, it was, you have to be so, so open and kind of like lift that, like that, like veil of reality. Like you just have to kind of believe and be there for the experience. Um, but I just, there was so much power in the group therapy. Like, cause I've been doing one-on-one therapy for a little bit, which I love, but holy moly to see people work, I learned probably more than when I was doing my own work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there was just such a connection and a trust between the group, but I just, I felt it on such a deep level. I mean, I, yeah, there, there has to have been some subconscious healing of me in me while watching these people realize and heal and have these revelations. Yeah. And that was a reminder for me, you know, the genuine care and interest that I had in holding space and healing, being a part of the healing experience for others within this group work, I had to trust was being matched. And I had to trust that people cared about me in the genuine way that I cared about them. And they cared about my experience and they cared about um, me going through the process and doing the healing. And something that I really found profound that we learned about was the seven rights of a child, you know? So within childhood, we are in the perfect world. We are given these seven rights of being a child. Um, and so when you have these rights that are not met or matched with when you're very young, then situations come up in your life like me, like me as an example, not believing that I'm interesting or valid or that I am not worthy to express myself fully and deeply. And with the seven rights of a child, it led me back to the first two rights were the part of my life that, you know, I didn't have stable, which was the right to be and the right to have needs. Um, so when you're very young, you're a baby. Babies know what's going, know what is going on more so than we think. They're energy readers. They can see and feel pretty much everything. So I didn't know, you know, when I was very young that um, I was wanted and that I had the right to take up space or be a part of my family or home. And I didn't feel like my needs were being met when I was very little. So that was, you know, my needs being the ability to express myself, the ability to be myself, the ability to feel like I was loved and I was valued for the person that I was. And so the way that I've, you know, that manifested for me for most of my life until probably college was the associated wound codependency. So I would say, you know, I'm not supposed to have needs and then I must meet 
you know, I must be here to meet their needs. So, you know, I actually see that play out in various parts of my life where I'm very much worried about the other person before myself. I find it really challenging when someone asks me how I'm doing or what's going on with me. I almost don't know how to speak or express it because I don't feel like it's interesting, valid. You know, I feel like people are going to check out and it's just not worth their time. So to have that that mirror and to understand that patterning within my life where I put everyone's needs before mine, where I believe that I'm not supposed to have needs or wants and I need to put others before me so that I can be, you know, exist is just was crazy. Yeah. I think that's really, really profound. Another thing we talked about was codependency, which was really interesting. I thought codependency was just kind of like a dysfunctional relationship and just kind of being like, I need you. I love you. I hate you. Like, just like, that really... it was like, just like best friends. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I'm like, when you're best friends, you're like codependent. You oh. need each other. <laughs> Do you want to read the definition yeah. that they gave us? So codependency is a pattern of painful dependency on compulsive behaviors and on approval from others in an attempt to find safety, self-worth and identity. So it's a pattern of painful dependency on compulsive behaviors and on approval from others and an attempt to find safety, self-worth, and identity. Yeah. So it's your disconnection from your sense of feeling alive and on purpose. And you need to manage your experience of others in order to find safety and feel worthy. So really, yeah. you're really dependent on how everyone else is doing. You put yourself last mm-hmm. in a sense. Yeah. And and I've definitely experienced this both with my family and then in romantic relationships. You know, I'm I'm very uh, involved in other people's experiences and how they are in the relationship and how they're feeling and if I am satisfying their needs or they feel loved or you know, really at the at the expense of my own experience. I just wanted to list some of the primary symptoms of codependency. Difficulty experiencing appropriate levels of self-esteem, so loving yourself. Um, Difficulty setting functional boundaries with other people. I definitely experience that because for me, boundaries meant I might hurt them or they might think ill of me because I'm setting boundaries, difficulty owning one's own reality appropriately, knowing and sharing oneself. And then difficulty addressing interdependently one's adult needs and wants. So that's like self-care. And I've definitely just in past relationships, just basically scoffed at my own needs. I'm like, I'm fine. Like, what do you need? You know? And I, I didn't, I wasn't able to realize that the other person also gets purpose out of out of satisfying my needs you know like it is a relationship it's not one sided so thankfully like you know i've become very very aware of that but it started in childhood mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what i mean it's everything traces back and it's just really fascinating to do that yeah i maybe had that when i was little with my mother but definitely definitely grew out of that. But Mm -hmm. what I really loved about codependency and and it's almost like, it's not, you know, I think about it and I don't know if this is true. I'm not a doctor, but it's not black and white and you can have codependent behaviors. So I really loved when they talked about codependency is overreacting to what is outside of us and underreacting to what is inside of us. Overreacting to what is outside of us 
and underreacting to what is inside of mm-hmm. us. So you're really overreacting to, you know, your parents are fighting or some one of your best friends or your boyfriend is going through something and they're upset, but you're not actually recognizing and honoring the feelings that you have within yourself as equal to what they need. And I think that's that really rang true for me in experiences that I've had, you know, in my life for sure. Yeah, definitely. And even within the group therapy setting, it was a small practice of that. Yeah. You know, like taking up space was something that I don't have trouble doing in certain contexts, but I do have trouble doing in other contexts. But in a group therapy setting, getting up and spending 40 minutes on a sculpt for you, like, you know, on a family sculpt for you, I was like, oh, it's taking too much time. Like people are probably bored. Like, you know, it was just... Mm -hmm taking up space, but then really allowing others to be a part of my experience in the way that they want to, you know, like it was, it was really beautiful. And after we would do certain sculpts and experiences, um, we would go around the room and say, I deeply resonated with blank. So sometimes when you're doing this really vulnerable work and it ends and you, you sit down, it's a, it's like a vulnerability hangover. You're yeah. like, oh my God, was that too much? Was that crazy? So it was really beautiful the way they tied it all together and just kind of like let you land, you know, a safe landing. And, and everyone went around. I deeply resonated when you said this, or I deeply resonated with having a father that this, you know, like it was just, that was one of my favorite parts of group therapy. I thought that was such a great ad because then we would just felt even more connected. I know I loved doing that with everyone. Yeah. And it was it was really powerful too and really kismet. I was with someone in our group that was having a conversation with her inner child, telling her inner child that she was enough, she was good, she was all of these things. And she chose me to be to represent her inner child. And within this experience, I mean, we were I was as acting as if I was her inner child for an hour. And it was probably almost as profound as my personal experience. You know, our, our leader was saying that he's like, in the entire time I've done this program, I've never seen someone channel like you were channeling. And it was really cool because in my life, I've been able to channel when I was little in ways that weren't helpful for me. You know, it, it wouldn't be, I would channel mm. things that I didn't want to channel. And it happened for me in college a few times. And now I'm able to channel more so positivity and, and, and my higher self. And it was really nice to open up enough space in my energetic body to channel her inner child and my inner child so that we could both receive the healing that we needed. I was bawling for that whole hour. And that just really set me up for success, which was crying the whole freaking weekend. <laughs> How, I mean, so every day was like, was that? Yeah. And I was like, okay, so at the end of the day, I'd be like, how do I, how does like my body feel? Like being able to release that much, hundred percent, you know, or being able to channel in that way on a regular basis every single day and just have like this clear vessel. It, it felt good. I, I don't know. So I, I felt really, really good being in nature too, obviously helped having no, like we were barely on our phones. Like it was really interesting. So, you know, if, I just thought about people who haven't cried in a long time. And I was like, oh, wow. I'm trying to think. I don't think I cry a lot. Well, also too, it was, but I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Also too, it was beautiful to be prompted to cry by this, by others' experiences. So that was my permission. Like 
because I'm identifying with others' emotions or feelings, it feels safe for me to cry because I'm empathetic and, and whatever. And, and that's normal for me because if I see someone crying in front of me or near me and mm. it feels true, I will cry no matter what. But then to have that lead into my actual experience where it was very valid for me to be crying about things that I've experienced or been through. So that was the impetus for me to start crying others. And then finally to finish up with like me just bawling my eyes out for like a day and a half about my experiences that I've suppressed for so long. And it was really nice to um, talk publicly about some things that I had felt I had probably never told anyone, you know, in my whole life. And that I felt shameful for feelings that I have felt and expressed that I felt ashamed about. And it was interesting too. I noticed, you know, in the room, in the experience, when I would say something that I felt shameful, I felt like that people really resonated with that. And, you know, I think shame, of course, like we say, is so personal and it makes you feel so isolated because you are thinking that you are the only one that is thinking or feeling this way. But that for me felt like the most connective. People really resonated when I actually expressed shame publicly about certain things. So that was also super profound. Yeah. The, like the veil of shame was so, it was such a common theme, you know, among people's uh, work that they were doing. And yeah, I, I, I haven't had time to like really process all of that, but it'll, it'll make you really sick, you know, like it both physically and mentally. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have anything else to say about that right now, but I just, it's something to look at like yeah. parts of your life that hold, hold shame and, and how is it translating and where did it come from? And 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 also like, you know, watching people work and uh, it reminded me because like my emotion, if I saw someone working through and processing and they're so emotional and my thing is like, oh my God, I just like, I'm so proud of you. I like love you. I literally like love these humans, right? I'm like, I'm, I love you. And like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry this happened to you. And then I'm like, have I ever said that to myself about things that have happened to me? You know, like- that's 100. I'm so sorry. Like we don't take time to be like, fuck, that is fucked up. That's actually real fucked up that, blah, 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 you know, whatever it is. Like just taking that time to just be like, damn, I'm really sorry. That's actually the craziest thing, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. And that's the it, making others feel valid. Making others' emotions and feelings feel valid was something that I learned and that I'm going to apply to our experiences. And when we meet with- our girls, when we hold space for people at retreats or whatever, it's like, it is so important to validate people's feelings, especially when they're first starting to feel them again, or maybe feel them for the first time. And within, you know, my family unit, I have someone that's close to me that was never able to express or feel and has, doesn't even know. I don't know if I'm mad. I don't know if I'm sad. I don't know if I'm happy they're so disconnected from their feelings and it's because they were never validated. You know, they never felt like what their experience was or what they had to say or do was important or worthy. And it's just, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. A lot of, yeah. A lot of the emotion was, Oh, I'm heartbroken. Yeah. Like just having realizations about, you know, people who are uh, super close to us that, Yes. That either are a narcissist or, you know, will never feel emotions, you know? So a lot of that was like 
I was like grieving a lot. I was like, oh my gosh. Cause like, it's not my mind to change, you know? So yeah, it was, it was a lot of grieving of that. But the fact that we're doing the work now is what is important and hopefully can heal a generation or two back in some way and then heal going forward. There were so many nuggets too, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. that were like, whoa. I know. And that was feeding my brain, just learning. I love learning and to learn about the human brain psychology, mm-hmm. just the unbearable life that we live. <laughs> well, yeah, it just to know that there's a science behind like what we're feeling and how it's affecting our bodies and like how we can access those certain memories and not. This actually stood out to me and I'm I'm sure you have a lot too, but whatever we're afraid of happening to us has already happened to us. Wow. Yeah, because it would be like feeling, being rejected. Mm -hmm. You've been rejected. Mm -hmm. Being alone. You've been alone. Yeah. Wow. I loved the one, um, a boundary without a consequence is nothing but a threat. So your ability to follow up on a boundary and actually create that boundary into something that is real is the key thing there. And otherwise it's just a threat. I think that is fucking cash money. I really love that one. And then I really loved this one. And I thought this one was kind of, it kind of took things out of, you know, being so juicy and and warm and positive, but it's the truth. Mental health is a commitment to reality at all costs. And I think that it's interesting in a way that it could be interpreted, but I just really like it because you do have to be really committed to actually what you're going through, the pain, the suffering, and the beauty at the same time. So your ability to be present um, your ability to like stay within the moment when you're feeling anxious, you're usually in the future. Depressed is usually in the past. So um, staying mentally healthy uh, in a way is um, a lot in part to your ability to be you know, present in yeah, reality. Totally. Another one that we repeated uh, many times throughout the week, we always know we never don't know. And... At one point that made me cry because I was like, yeah, like I just, there is that really soft voice inside of me that's like, you totally know. Like, why are you doing all of the other things and asking all of the other people and playing it safe? And so we always know we never don't know. And I loved in my um, small group therapy, my leader, he would it was really simple but effective and we do this sometimes like if we're speaking or even on the podcast to help us drop in but putting your hand over your heart just really allows you to drop in to that knowing or to that maybe you want to access your inner child you know knowing what do i really need right now or how am i really feeling right now and you always know you never don't know yeah also it was like so funny and fun to at the end after having this hard week to just laugh with people. Oh, you know, like best. I just, me and Joey are having literally the best time. Falling in love with human, like being in situations where I can fall in love with human beings and not on like a romantic level is like, it was so fun. So fun. You know what I mean? Like being able to like literally say, I love you and mean it after a day. 
you know, I, I do throw that around quite a bit, but I really meant it. Like I really, I really, really meant it. And it was because I could just like see their heart, mm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And like after, you know, just letting myself finally cry for days, it's like, well, this is it. You know, like they've already seen me bawling. Yeah. So might as well also be funny and also be fun. And it just was so hilarious to like how emotional I was. And I was like, dude, all right, let's go into my session, baby. I'm just going to roll on into my session and just be like, all right, let's do this. Like, let's let it all hang out. Like, mm-hmm. let, let's really say what's going on. Yeah. Um, while I'm feeling so incredibly freaking emotional. Yeah. And um, these last two quotes that just stuck out to me that really like fortified, like why doing the work con- consistently um, is so important. If we don't heal ourselves, we will bleed all over people who didn't cut us. Oh yeah, I really loved that one. And we re- we repeat what we don't repair. Yep. So, you know, I'm sure there are moments in your life out there where it's like, God damn it, I did that again? Like, or like, you know, just just doing the same old thing and falling into it and like almost like not knowing how you got there. So it really does take work, you know, but it's it's so beautiful when you get, when you transcend that and get to the other side. And there's also what you feel you heal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, the denial of our human emotions is just a, a complete denial of our existence. You know, part of the experience as humans on this earth is to feel, you know, we're feeling creatures. That's why we have consciousness. That's why we're connected. That's why we feel each other's energy. So when you're denying that ability to, to feel those emotions and we're identifying them as bad or good or um, you know, in my case, a lot of times it's like useful, not useful. You know, mm-hmm. is this emotion useful for me or is it not useful for me? Really isn't allowing yourself to feel the full spectrum, you know, of what it is to be here and what it is to feel. So yeah, that, that ability to be in touch was just perfect, especially for us as we, you know, really head out to go on tour. Yeah. Yeah. I do, you know, looking back on how quickly the opportunity to go came up and that it it didn't feel like the quote unquote right time because of how much was going on. It was the right time. It was the perfect, it was perfect. Um, I wanted to mention two other aspects of onsite that just like blew me away and just made it so special and unique and I'll never, ever forget it. The first is um, the equine therapy. So we worked with um, horses and horses, you know, feel energy. And so they are a mirror uh, for you. So if you are with a horse and you are anxious or you are afraid, like they will mirror that emotion. It was just really beautiful to observe and to feel so connected. I, I've been like asking to be around horses and like I've had a few opportunities in the last month and it's been like really beautiful. They're so fucking ginormous and majestic. And, and to think that like such a powerful animal can, is that emotional you know, and affected. Yeah. I mean, they're so, it was, yeah, I was actually really scared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't know. I was like, I love animals. Like I feel so connected to them. But then I went up to that one horse that like, it was like a mini horse. Mm-hmm. I went up to like the spotted mini horse and it was like not fucking with me. And then I was scared for the rest of the time. I was like, God damn it. I'm supposed <laughs> to be good at this. But they do, they have a sixth sense and, um, they're able to really feel and um, tap into your aura. Yeah. So um, you have a unique auric field and 
that it has a unique relationship to all other beings in the world and they're able to tap into that. And watching people go through the equine therapy was really powerful too, because mm. it was like, you couldn't fake it. And that's probably me, you know, like being able to like fake that I'm not scared or fake that I'm whatever, maybe. But a lot of people, when you saw when they would let go and be like, all right, you know, I'm actually accepting that I'm scared, that I'm mad, that I'm sad all of, or happy, whatever it is, then the horse would respond in a really positive way. But if you were trying to be calm and you weren't, if you were trying to be sad and, and you're maybe angry, they could tell. Yeah. Which was cool. Yeah. It was so, so cool. And then the other aspect that I really just loved, and I won't give anything away because I, I do think this is unique. And if you do end up going to onsite, it will be a part of your experience, but just the element of surprise throughout, you know, it's just really thoughtful surprises. And it just made me think about incorporating surprise more into my own life and with my friends and family and like how good that feels to orchestrate a surprise and also how good it feels to receive the surprise. Like it was, I wish I could tell you, but it was just so beautiful and brought me to tears, brought everyone to tears. And I just, I loved that. I loved that part of it. It made me feel like a kid a little bit, you know? Yeah. Surprise brings you back to presence. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's this beautiful ability to be like, this is what I think I am doing. I think I am doing X, Y, and Z. And then all of a sudden it's like, bam, yeah. this is what you're doing. Yeah. You know, you're doing, you're experiencing this thing together that someone else has been thinking about and brings you along. So yeah, surprise is the bomb. I can't wait to enter, like actually add some of those things to our retreat. <laughs> I know. I know. Surprise. Yeah, it's so true. But it was it was an experience that I will never forget, and I'm just so grateful that we were we were invited, and so grateful to be around the, the people that we are around, like and to feel. I don't know, like I, I think you said it, just being at a place in our life where we are attracting, like just really pure human connection. You know, there's no bullshit. There's quite literally no bullshit in between. And and I it just felt really, really good. Yeah. One of the people that was there, um, gonna be on our podcast soon. Yes. Jadadiah. Jadadiah Jenkins is going to be on the pod. I mean. Who is one of my an icon to mm -hmm. me. And hearing him talk and I was like, dude, I'm in the same room as you. And I'm like talking to you. It was just fucking crazy. I was like, whoa, yeah. you know, it was like a moment, but yeah. And I think what people can, can do or take away or cultivate is uh, in regards to what we were doing is, you know, whether it's in a therapy session or whether it's in a women's circle and you're doing the affirmations together and you guys are you know, walking in the circle and sharing affirmations with one another, or whether you're exploring the seven rights of a child and thinking critically about which of these rights may have been lost in the mix that is now playing out in your life, you know, is a really good practice. Whether you're exploring or giving yourself permission to feel and experience trauma within your life, I think that's a, a really, mm -hmm. you know, great thing for us to do. But you know, there's a lot of different ways that we can heal, but um, the curiosity and the exploration, I think is a really great place to start. And hopefully, you know, this is an impetus for that. Yeah. Yeah. So I um, hope you got something out of that. Um, we certainly are going to continue to process and, you know, we, I, I feel so lucky that we can experience those things to be able to kind of like process with the community too, yeah. you know, but if you'd like to learn more about where we went on siteworkshops.com. And specifically we were at the creatives retreat. So that's onsiteworkshops.com slash onsite 
creatives-retreat. And I just can't recommend it enough. Again, this is not sponsored by any means, but we really felt pulled to share such a profound experience with you all because, you know, we just are fam. Want to share. Huge fans. We love it. And thanks for always being supportive to us and for being open-minded and kind and being a part of our, our learning journey. You guys are all you know, such important parts of our ability to hold space, you know, you for us and us for you. So thanks for being a part of our healing. (laughs) We love you. We'll see you next time. We love you. We'll see you soon. Great. Goodbye. (laughs) Great day. Great great greetings. See you later. Peace out. All right. Bye.